Single Simulcast is about a lot of things. This podcast may make you laugh, cry, or pound your fists into your desk. If you hear something you like or something you don't, leave a voicemail at 916-572-9016 or email us at singlesimulcast at gmail.com. One. Single. Simulcast. Hello? Yo. There's my voice. Oh, you got an echo? Yeah. Okay, it's gone now. Is it? Yeah. Hello? There it is. See, it's just a delay. Oh, that was Stephanie. Me? What? Can you hear me? No. Yes. No. I Are you being serious? You can't hear me. Yeah. I yes, can't we can hear you. hear you. No, I can I, hear you. I can't hear you. You know, he tripping. <laughs> 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 oh, so when I used to work at a call center, this person called in and they were super mad because you know back in the day you had to go through like all the menus and stuff to get to a person. Mm-hmm. Pro tip, people, just hit zero. If zero doesn't do anything, just start screaming agent until the phone hangs up on you. That's how they got through to me, I guess. And um, they made it all the way through, and they were like, I was like, thank you for calling such and such. My name is so-and-so. How can I be of assistance? And they were like, are you a robot? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes Oh, I God. Am. Oh, he no. Like, he was like, I knew it. I knew they fired all the good Americans and replaced them with robots. And this is proof. And he was like, so robot, how can I, how can you help me? And I was like, well, I need your account number first. And he was like, you're really smart for a robot. And I was like, I know AI. (laughs) You're just able to answer any question I come up with without like, how big is the, the database they made for you? And I was like, like, there's enough stuff in here to fill about 28 years worth of life, I guess. And he was like, you're really, really impressive. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, you're oh welcome. God. And oh my really, God. Truly, deeply, I don't know, because we used to, when I used to work at this place, we used to get repair calls from New York City. And I was in California, um, which I guess is better to those folks than uh calling and getting Mexico or or uh, India because those are the two that he said. He was like, you're not from India, are you? I was like, no. He was like, where are you? I said, I can't really tell you that, but I'm not in India or Mexico. And so um, I think that he might have been one of those wing nuts who were just like really concerned about robots taking over, like foil on his head and all that kind of stuff. But he was really nice to me. Once he found out that I was smart enough to be able to answer all of his questions... Um, <laughs> he was patient and he asked me questions and he laughed a little bit and it was great. I fixed his problem. And he was like, you're the best AI I ever talked to. And I don't know how many other people he's talked to that he thought were actually artificial intelligence. And I oh never stopped to think about that. <laughs> no. Oh. Wow. Right. Um, Single simulcast episode three eighteen. Shantae's here. 
uh, the queen of BDE. Uh, Stephanie's in the building. Um, Ooh, child. Things are going to get a little bit sleazier. Ooh, child. Ooh. Things are going to get sleazier. Um, <laughs> um, I would just like to say... I am not the one who was giving a step-by-step tutorial on oral sex. Okay? Look. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. It is important that these fellas get completely shocked with twat talk in the middle of their uh, insecure (laughs) reviews. It, I just, I think that it is, I think that it is like so important that guys just get hit up with instructions on how to be better people and better lovers when they least expect it. Like we could be talking about the Lakers game and then right in the middle, boom, talk to your homeboys. Hey, let me talk to you about uh, misogyny real quick. Weren't we talking about LeBron? But yeah, let's talk about misogyny real quick. And they never see it coming. And it just, it all flows in. It all sinks in. So um, all I'm saying is like, guys, you're welcome. I'm not, I'm not sorry for nothing. It's, it's, I'm, totally serious y'all need to know how to be more receptive and more responsible uh as uh partners and if that comes right after we talk about how uh light skin uh whatever his name is uh is like a, a fuck nigga who probably got locked up so be it is his name richard <laughs> what was that nigga's name nicholas i make up names. nathan nathan Ooh. Oh, on okay, on insecure. See, y'all, I didn't realize y'all were talking about insecure. See, I didn't realize y'all were still talking about insecure, but yes, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, the light skin nigga. He's cute. Mm. He is cute. He's, He's super dreamy. He is cute. He is cute, and he is, like, super supportive of Issa and, like, her dream or whatever she's trying to do. Like, just supportive in just, like, a really kind of just nice kind of way. Like, not trying to be like, oh, well, I don't think you can do it. Or maybe you need to do this or do that. Just, like, just really just, like, you know, supporting somebody at the beginning of a situation. Not shitting on their stuff. Just, you know, lifting them up. He's a nice guy. He's Until he goes ghost. Right. He's supportive like the Mexican guy in the Tyler Perry movies. I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't watch those movies. See, there's this thing where Tyler Perry always has like the the bad guy in his movies are like hella dark skin. Right. And then the good guys like Shamar Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm the aware of that. Wig ever. Yeah, I'm totally aware. I'm totally aware of his um binary with, with black men as far as his colorism stuff or whatever. But I did not know that he had uh that you know, Mexican, Mexican men um, in, in build a I role. Think it was, um, I could do bad all by myself. Was that it? That was it. Yeah. Where it was a Mexican dude. And he was really that, nice. The too. movie that should have had a soundtrack and it didn't have a soundtrack. Yeah. How you got Gladys Knight and Mary J. Blige in your cast and there is no soundtrack. Cause Gladys probably said, no nigga, I'm not going to sing for free. Yeah, it was like he's the one. Pants. He's the one who said it. He said that he decided not to do a soundtrack, and I'm like, See? how? The math is not adding up. See, if you could take two uh, R&B or soul singers and put them together to do a duet, who would it be? Off top of your head, uh, Mary J. Blige and Class Night. <laughs> 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 I mean. The recipe is right there. Like, right there. I was thinking Maxwell and Minnie Ripperton. 
No, he could take his paperclip ass somewhere else. Damn. Wow. Wow. Wait, point out Check on the, the next one. He hurt you. <laughs> what did he tell you something? Do to you? So he got into a with somebody. This is a a couple years ago. He got into it with a woman on, on Twitter, um, and because she, she said his last album went paperclip, oh. and so then he DM'd her and said, "Check my numbers, bitch." Yeah, like, oh, what? Max, bitch, hell yeah. A few Woo. years ago, he sure did. I'm like, oh, well, well, oh, well, my nether regions just went dry. What? He did. Max he did. He, he, yes. he jumped in her um, DMs. Jumped in her DMs. shitty. So he's like, so obviously, you know, Nikki's not the first. Right? Oh, no, she's she definitely not. Somebody D, it's like jumping somebody DMs behind some tweets. But I yep, he am- sure did. I am mystified. I never would have thought that nigga would have hopped in somebody's DMs unless he was saying, can we do a little something, something? No. <laughs> no. Wow. That's Drake. Drake does the let me do oh. something, something. You know, uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown is like, please leave her and Drake alone and respect her friendships. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm not surprised by that. I'm not of surprised. Course. She is... 14, 14 years old you know and whether or not whatever whether or not drake is on the up and up more than likely not uh i'm sure that she feels like that's her dude mm-hmm. you know as far as a friendship is concerned mm-hmm. and i'm kind of just like well i mean there's really nothing that i can do you know as a person watching this happen it's just like i mean i'm you know, like I said, I'm not surprised. That's her friend. That's her friend. I mean, it's not my yeah. child. It's just like there's only so much smoke I could give to Drake because I'm just here at home. It's, and no- he's literally the wrong person for you to give smoke to because he don't give a shit. It's like, it's that's a waste of smoke, honestly. And then it's also like, uh, you know, uh, her mom and dad, like if, I mean, hopefully, like, hopefully her parents are doing what they're supposed to do. It's just mm-hmm. that there's so many stories of child actors interacting with adults mm-hmm. in ways that they shouldn't. And not even necessarily uh, sexually, because I feel like everybody's focus is sexually. Everybody's right. focus is on the possibility that he is grooming her for something. But it's still just this is an adult who might be introducing her to things that she doesn't need to be introduced to. Mm-hmm. And that's right. a possibility. The same way uh, I think it stuff came out with. Who was it? It was it was I think there was stories about when Usher was coming up and I don't mm-hmm. know if it was Puff or if it was Jay, you know, if it was Jermaine Dupree or both. It was Puff because okay. he stayed with Puff when he was like 13, 14 years yeah. old. Wasn't, didn't he and have his first sexual experience with like, It was at Diddy's house. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is another situation where this isn't even, you know, it's not like Puff was pushing up on Usher but he still was introducing him to things that he probably didn't need to be introduced to at that age. So it's just, it's that kind of a, a messed up. So it's, it's the, that possibility is there. You know, there's enough child 
actors and performers that have been put in unfortunate positions that they probably would not want to be in uh, or that they would probably regret or feel some kind of way about later on. Yeah. Who knows? It's just, it is strange. You would think that even, you would think that Millie Bobby Brown, when she's interacting with adults, has some kind of adult buffer between her and the other adults. Like whether it's like, you know, the the directors, the Duffer brothers for Stranger Things or anybody who she's working with, any, you know, just anybody, you would think there would be an adult buffer. Obviously at this point, maybe it doesn't seem like there is. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, honestly, I can't even fault her because I don't know what I would do if I was like 13, 14 and I had access to uh, like a like a Ray Lewis because at the time yeah. you know, the Ravens were there. It's like, oh my God, what would I do if I could like text like my favorite artist or my favorite athlete or my favorite actor? Yeah. Like, like the- I wouldn't say I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have, no, I wouldn't have any problem. But see, that's the thing. Drake's a grown ass man. You don't yeah. think this is a problem? Yeah, especially because she's a young girl. It's like, uh, sir, has R. Kelly taught you nothing? Yeah, it's odd. It's it's, it's so weird. It's like it's odd, oh, and, and and I don't understand the lack of PR on their part. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like like let's just say let's just pretend pretend. That this has, that this is not a absolutely terrible thing. Like this is right. just, you know, we can pretend it still isn't going to look good, right? Right. So why is it being spoken on in this? You know, just like oh yeah, I'm talking to Jake, we're texting each other, kind of thing. It's just like no, no. But at the same time, maybe you know, maybe her parents are kind of letting her navigate her way through the world you know on her own like maybe not like completely on her own but it's just like look you said something and now you have to deal with what you said you know like maybe we were cool with you speaking to this person through text because you're not necessarily hanging out with them you're not doing you know you're not seeing this person in person you know it's just talking through the phone Mm. so it's okay as far as we're concerned, but now we are not going to get out in front of this for you. You know, if you want to live this life, you know, interacting with people and, you know, being famous and shit, then this is, this is part of it. It's just, uh, I hope that's not it. It's just like, it's just, it just, it's, it's odd that she was the one to say something, I guess, basically to be like, y'all get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, when I, I I really did expect Drake to be the one to speak up and say, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is how I feel." But then again, in all honesty, Drake doesn't seem like the type of person who wants to really deal with confrontation. 
because mm-hmm. after and and this is not in any way the same thing but after that uh after his rap battle with Pusha T when they brought up when he brought up his son and everything everybody was like Drake what do you think about this what are you going to say he just disappeared from social media um so it it it's troubling to me on a couple levels uh like a hundred that um Drake is having this relationship with the 14 year old. Um, mm-hmm. It's made more troubling by the fact that uh, every story that I've read about R. Kelly uh, mentioned how many 14 year olds uh, that he would call and text and, and say that he thought that they were, that he, they would start off under the guise of being just friends. And all of a sudden he said they were beautiful. Um, it, it, it just doesn't, you as a parent you want to give your children the respect of knowing that they'll be able to take care of themselves but when there's somebody who um is this th- this age difference you know this 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 situation is just it it's as a parent and as a person it's just troubling to me because it's like what the fuck do y'all have to talk about like drake what do you like why? Mm-hmm. Why? I think that's like the biggest question I got. Like, why her? Why this? Why now? Um, we've noted that you're dating an 18 year old model. We we've noted that you discuss other women, um, and that you oh, okay. The DMs. I thought the model thing was a lie. Is it? I don't that know. somebody ran with it. Somebody ran with it that they were dating or out, and it, it's not—it's not true that they're dating. But he does—he did know her and was interacting with her like two years ago, which would have made her sixteen. So it's still funny in the light. It's just that they're not dating. Okay. I just. I don't know. I, I I think that, in my opinion, the idea of, like, as a basketball coach even, you know, I coach ladies basketball, uh, mm-hmm. high school. Um, the, the age groups range from, like, 17 down to, like, 13. I'm not getting in chat groups with these girls. I'm not trying to have private conversations with these girls. I'm not trying to do anything but help them be the best basketball players they can be. I don't, and it's not like I'm saying this to like, I want to protect myself or anything like that. It's just, we ain't got shit to talk about. And maybe they have the child actor thing to talk about, but how does that swing over to them talking about boys? That just feels to me like it's, a conversation that you have with somebody who you know intimately or, or a close friend. And, and, and it just, I don't know. Like as a guy, I'm sitting on the outside. Like, is this as troublesome? Is this as problematic as I, as I see it in my head? Because I know Mm -hmm. in my head as a guy, it's like that whole misogyny thing comes in. Like, Oh, guys are this and that. And the third and guys will, and then it goes into like all these pimp lines that I used to hear about, They'll control your mind and stuff like that. And that may not even be the situation. I'm just looking at it from this guise of being a guy. And that's why I'm trying to ask y'all ladies. Mm-hmm. Is this a big deal? I think it could. I, it's 
it could be. It just depends on where it's coming from or it it depends on the kind of big deal it is. It could be a big deal because he really is grooming this girl for some type of sexual relationship later on. And I hate to even talk to her, talk about her in this kind of way, but this is, he could be doing that. It also could just be a power thing as far as Drake is concerned. As far as his music is concerned, he always comes across as a dude who is trying to influence women, control women, suggest things, put himself Mm -hmm. in a power position, you know? So it may not even be about having a relationship with her at any point. It may just be about having an influence on her and he, and that can feed his ego which is still a big deal and is still terrible. It's just that it it's 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 just that to me it just seems like there's this possibility that it could be a lot of things that could be fucked up that and that we're only focusing on the sex possibility when it's just like it could be a whole bunch of other shit that's just an adult trying to lord over a child. And it could also be somebody who just likes the attention. Because, I mean, this isn't just like, he's not just Drake Johnson from Canada. He's Drake. So, and uh, and little kids love him. Not that she's a entirely little kid, but she's not 30 years old. So, you know, it's like, it's that attention aspect. It's the fact that, you know, he's famous and show, so is she. And you're not. It's like he's not looking at the optics. I'm like, you have to be the adult here. I mean, I know you've been spending, you know, at least a year or so hiding a child. How about you hide the fact that you are trying to, like, talk to a 14-year-old? And the thing that kills me sometimes is that our country doesn't have grooming laws. Other countries do. Ours don't. I did not know that. I mean, other countries do. Yeah, it's against the law to, like, groom children. That's against the law in some countries. Not here, though. But dogs just get to get groomed willy-nilly. Okay. All right. All right. You are doing amazing, friend. Yeah, I had no idea that was even... I had no idea that was even a thing. Me neither. And, 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 like, it's... It's troubling that there's a law... That there has to be a law like that. And it's also troubling that there's not a law for that here. But there's a law about giving your horse too much bourbon. Well, look. Some people like to get their horses drunk. They are menaces (laughs) to society. (laughs) Wow. Don't say that. Get these horses tied up. Oh, wait. And they are getting lit. (sighs) So... Today I learned CPR again. Right. Oh, that shit is boring. Oh, jeez. I mean, it's it's not like it was. The class is like an eight-hour class. Like, how much CPR and do you need me to do before I get the certificate? Um, but one of the things that we did was um, learn how to do CPR on a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I tell you that these little plastic dolls filled me with more fear 
and anxiety than anything else I did today. I am so sincere. Like those little plastic dolls were like the size, of course, of a baby. And all that was going through my head was, damn, please don't ever let me be in the situation where I got to do CPR on a baby. Please. Because, that is scary. And and they're telling you that when you do CPR, you're supposed to do CPR until a couple things happen. Either A, um, the emergency medical system, emergency medical support group comes, the ambulance or whomever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. If you're by yourself, you're supposed to stop so that you call 911 and then get right back to it. Um, mm-hmm. You're supposed to, or you're supposed to do it until you can't do it anymore yeah and that was the heartbreaking part for me because if i have a a child in front of me or if i have a person in front of me honestly who needs cpr who i'm my breath is the only thing that's helping them hang on and i can't go anymore and i have to let go god oh man it was just it, it was just I I can't even imagine that feeling like, I'm sorry, y'all. I can't be the person that I thought I could be. And they were like, yeah, most people stop after like three minutes. And I was like, damn. Like, mm-hmm. you would, you know, you're thinking in your mind, I'll do CPR from now until the ambulance gets here in like 20 minutes. It's nothing. And they're like, no, no, sweetheart. Three minutes. Mm-hmm. that's all you get and more times often than not when you do CPR they're dead yeah this is what I was taught in my CPR class today when you're doing when you're at the level where you have to do CPR they're dead they said it's not like in the movies where um somebody is in the pool and they drown a little bit and you uh get them out of the pool and you do the two puffs and then you do the chest compresses and water just springs out of their mouth and they sit up and they're fine. They were like, mm-hmm. no, nah, you do CPR when they don't have a heartbeat. That's when you're doing a that's when you're doing the defibrillator, defibrillator, whatever it is. Shut up, Jay. And um and that's when you're doing the CPR. And they were like, it's usually not that effective. And I'm like, why are y'all telling me this while I'm holding this baby in my arms? But I I implore each and every one of y'all to learn CPR. And here's the reason why I need y'all to learn CPR. If more than one person in an area knows how to do CPR and knows how to do the emergency uh, procedures and everything, they can then team up to help prolong the person's life. Like, obviously, if each of us have three minutes, then we have six. But you only have three minutes if you're by yourself. So if you're with somebody else, you get time to rest. You could be getting the AED while they're doing the chest and the, and the and the CPR and everything. You could be calling 911. Like, the, all these other options open up when more than one person knows how to do this. And it's something that I just feel like if you ask people if they know how to do it, they they're like, I've never really thought it was something I need to know how to do. Yeah, it just looks like something that you know you can. Uh, it looks like something anybody can do, but Mm-mm. it's really not. It's it's not. Yeah. It's really not because you know when I had to take CPR, 
Um, you know, you have people who've done CPR in emergency situations and they'll explain to you, I'm like, um, I've had people who have like vomited while I'm giving them CPR mm-hmm. and had to basically scoop out the vomit and keep going. It's like, uh, no, it's not like the movies. Like people throw up, like you may not have like the mouth guard uh, you, and they keep, they've changed the guidelines because it used to be more compressions than breaths but then people were like busting rib cages right that's what because I, that's they what were I was pressing hearing, too hard hearing that if you don't know how to do it you can fuck somebody's shit up yeah because it's like literally like it's it's not like just like pressing down on the chest it's like a rocking motion but everybody don't know that mm. and so that's how they were like cracking ribs and it's like uh that's not a good thing so now they're doing more breath than compression. And the folks who were teaching us, they were like Red Cross, and there's like four different groups who teach mm-hmm. how to do CPR. Red Cross is one of them. Did you know that Red Cross isn't allowed to say the Heimlich maneuver? Because yep, they can't say it anymore. Right. They can't. They have to say uh, chest thrust. Like mm-hmm. and that was interesting <laughs> to me. But um. I was like, damn, the dude who made the Heimlich maneuver, first of all, he never had to do it. And secondly, he trademarked it and they were like, we're not going to pay you for it. So they can't say it. Um, nope. But the folks who were teaching us were like, yeah, you're going to break a rib. They were like, it's a giving. You're going to break a rib because the heart is underneath the rib. And so you need to push through so that you can get to what's important. And I was like, damn, like for real? And I already knew here in California, we have Samaritan laws, the good Samaritan laws, where if you're trying to save somebody's life, you can't be sued for like busting up a mm-hmm. rib or something like that. Mm-hmm. But still, mm-hmm. it's like y'all are saying it's so matter of factly, like you're going to push down hard enough to break through that rib. And as soon as you do, that's when the good things happen. And I'm like, I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to help. So in my mind, it was like, damn, like, OK, because they were like, you got to push down at least two and a half inches. And they were like, yeah. don't move that much. So, yeah. But yeah, it's like really just, it's scary to me to know that I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. because when it comes time to have to do CPR, there's going to be a ton of people who are watching and only a few people who are helping. And it kind of, it kind of just makes me nervous. Like I'm going to be in the spotlight, either saving somebody's life or failing to save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about it too much. I think I am thinking about it too much. Cause that's what I do. But the more I was pushing down on that fake baby's chest with two fingers, the middle finger and then the ring finger, um, I was like, I never want to have to save a, a, a baby. Mm-hmm. I was freaking out enough when uh, when Kenny got stung by a bee when we were at camp a couple years ago. And I was cradling, it, I was cradling his head in my arms, screaming out, help me, because we were in the middle of the woods. And nobody heard me because I'm loud. And they ran out and by the blessing of God, they had an EpiPen and they stabbed him with it. And then an ambulance just happened to be driving by. It was a small area. It was a it was a campsite. The only area, the only uh, the only 
ambulance in the area just happened to be rolling past. Mm. So when we called wow. him, they were right there, and they were able to pull up to this area and put him into the um, into the ambulance and take him to the local hospital, and he was okay. And I freaked out. Mm. I'm not even going to front. when it, it, it wasn't even about my own son being in my arms. It was knowing that this kid was absolutely in peril. And I was like, somebody please help us. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to learn CPR. So I can never, so I'll never be in that situation again. But at the same time, I can't confirm that because I know it, I won't be in that situation again. Wow. And they told us in the CPR class, like there are certain things you're not supposed to do that I felt like I would do. Like, you're not supposed to run into a house if it's on fire. (laughs) You're not supposed to go to a vehicle if the vehicle is seeking underwater. You're not supposed to go to a vehicle if the vehicle's on fire. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you're telling me not to do this, but you know I'm going to do it, right? (laughs) You know somebody needs help. I'm, I'm going to run into the building. I'm going to run up to the car. But then when it actually happens, it's like, how many people are out there just watching and taking pictures? Right. Said that they would be the ones helping. So I wonder, you know, like when shit hits the fan, am I really going to be able to perform? Like if somebody's choking in a restaurant on a steak, because that's the way it always happens in the movies, you know, <laughs> the, the the fat antagonism is always a big white dude who's eating a rare steak too quickly. And the stake gets lodged in their throat. And then somebody comes behind them and does a, one thrust with the Heimlich. And the stake pops out. It's always that. Mm-hmm. I want, I, I don't know if I'd be able to recognize if somebody's choking. I don't know if I'd be able to get there in time, you know? I've had to um, actually do the, well, the chest maneuver on somebody. I actually had to do it on my mom. She was choking on a peanut M&M. Huh. Dang. And I was a kid. I think I was like in high school when I did it. Had you already taken the classes? I hadn't. Well, here's the thing. When I was like a kid, when I was younger, maybe like 10 or 11, 12, my mom was an EMT. She was a paramedic. So one day she pulled me and my brother aside and she showed us how to do CPR. This is before I took the class that my mother told me how to do CPR. And the Heimlich. So one day she was choking on a peanut M&M and she couldn't breathe. And so I had to do the Heimlich. And it was the scariest thing ever because it's your mom. And you're like, crap, I want to make sure I'm doing this right. Mm -hmm. So, and no, it doesn't pop out. Like, it just went down the other hole. (laughs) The hole it's supposed to go down. But no, Mm -hmm. she didn't spit it out or anything. Did you ever think as you got older that your mom might have been Giving you the ultimate test. No, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? What is wrong with you? Like you just just took that whole like serious moment and was just like, you think she was testing you? You know? Like, <laughs> like, Remember that Heimlich maneuver I taught you? Yes, oh, I do, God. mommy. Prove it, nigga. And she oh, might. No. Yeah, no. I would do no. that to my kids. Like I'll put them. See, in a yeah, uh huh. I need them to like put a pin in this episode and see when you do some like morbid shit like this, 
They'd be like, nope, because he's doing it on purpose. <laughs> Let him die. Let him go. <laughs> Let that nigga die. Uh, you know, like, and they were so talking about... Your father, he choking. No, he not. No, he's he faking. He faking. <laughs> he got a kill switch. He okay, watch. He's going to throw up in five, four, three. <laughs> Why didn't y'all save me? See, that nigga mm-hmm. okay. Um... They were talking about things that kids choke on, and I was like, "Word!" Like you're sitting there. I, it's me. It's it's Rashani. Come on, I am literally a forty-two percent good person and ninety-eight percent asshole. Okay, so I'm sitting there listening to this uh, lady doing the presentation about what. Yeah, do the math on that. I'm too lazy. Google it. Um. 42% and 98% is like 140%, which is way more than you should be a dick, but I'm good at it, so I've leveled up. Um, it's like health points in video games. It just keeps rising. My Never mind. It's a whole thing. Anyhow, this lady is telling us about uh, things that kids choke on. And mm. like I said, I'm, I'm cradling this baby in my arms, and as she starts telling us about the stuff the babies can choke on, I'm just looking and kids choke on. I'm looking at her like, are you serious? Like, how's that possible? Ice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nigga, it melts. They can still choke, though, first. But it might take a long time, or if it's sharp. Yeah. And then, um, buttons. Yeah. They got holes in them. You should be able to breathe through a hole. Shut up. (laughs) And cheese. (laughs) She said cheese, and I was like, hold up. Wait, white woman. (laughs) Y'all don't choke on cheese, because cheese melts. I done seen, like... That ain't got nothing. That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. If the baby gets, like, those little, like, Sargento cheese cubes... It's gonna melt. Not not immediately. They're gonna die. on its throat. Help it down. Help the process. You tripping. And then you tripping. And then you tripping. And then um, safety pins, which is all holes. Mm. It's literally a, a silver thing, and then a big long ass hole, and then a hole in the back that the silver thing is made out of. And also, I don't know what kind of person lets their kid eat a safety pin. Well, nobody's letting the kid so eat it. Kids, like, grab shit. They get a hold of stuff. It's like you turn around, you put some change on the table, the baby can reach the table, the baby got a quarter in his throat. Yeah. I mean, um, oh, my God, that really did happen Yeah. to my brother. Wait, what? Yeah, I, no, my brother almost choked to death on a quarter. Mm. See? I mean, it's just kids. Kids move like... I don't know. Think of something stealthy and that's how they move. You turn around and it's just it's like those videos of pe- of kids where like the parents say that they turned around for five minutes and they go upstairs and then there's chocolate everywhere or there's flour in the kitchen or, or the you know, kid what- burns down the house. <laughs> the kid bur- you okay. know, whatever that whatever that thing is where you think like, oh, my God, how could this parent have missed this moment of this child? tearing up the house got in all the paint whatever it is that's i mean it's the same thing with like something super duper small it's Mm -hmm. just they pop a button off of their shirt and it goes in their damn mouth and then they're you know they popped a button they sweating Woo. (laughs) okay 
thread all on my face. <laughs> oh my! God. I mean, it just it takes it takes kids do all kinds of just like what the fuck? Like why did you even do that? Like like my brother? Like this isn't a choking thing. He got a piece of straw stuck in his nose. Like I don't know how the straw got cut small enough. <laughs> To go up in his nose, Wait, but it was up in the there. straw, like hay straw. Or are we talking about like plastic no, straw? Like a, like a drinking straw. Like I think somehow the drinking straw got cut. Like maybe he was playing with it, or I was playing with it. Like we were playing with scissors, fucking with this straw, and it was like you know a tiny, you know probably a couple, you know a centimeter or two long, and he got that up in his nose. It's just like kids do all kinds of goofy shit, and you're just like, what the fuck. I just want to point out the part where you subtly put your name into it. It might have been me who cut up the the straw. No, but it's just, it's just like, I'm saying that seriously because it's one of those things that I remember. Like, I remember the straw in his nose. I don't remember what led up to the straw mm. in his nose. Like, I am genuinely being, like, saying, like, it could have been me. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what we were doing at that time for that little tiny piece of straw to end up in his nose. Mm. I should just own up to it. I did it. I told, I cut the straw. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens. It was me. You know? That's it. Fuck it. Dang, I did it. Fuck it. It was me. Gang, gang. It was me. It gang, was gang, me. gang. Old siblings, gang, gang, gang. You know? I was like, you can still breathe through that straw, right? Don't worry about it. Um, but did I ever tell you about the the day that my brother set me up to get murdered? Yo, what? The wait, which brother? Like your, the your, only I, one, the, the, the punk ass. Okay, so you only have one. Okay, see, no, I didn't. I mean, you didn't. Uh, you didn't say your brother the punk ass. Yeah. So I'm thinking that it's some other brother. No, my brother the punk ass. Okay. Yeah. So we had a waterbed. <laughs> Wow. And um wow. It was this is the 80s. Step <laughs> judge me, judge yourself. First of all, don't don't look. First of all, somebody's parent, I'm not going to say who, should have never bought a 5-year-old and a 3-year-old a waterbed, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there and walk away slowly. Not at all. Niggas not at all. Not have gotten us a waterbed, but it was the early 80s and they had just figured out the seat belts were a thing. So, um we had a waterbed and somehow we were jumping on the bed and realizing that the bed didn't bounce. So we uh, pulled the sheet off of the bed to see why it didn't bounce. Because we didn't know it was a water bed. So we pulled the sheet off and saw that it was um, a water bed. And water beds are so, so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like in hindsight, like people like really, let's sit back and really think about the the, the, the benefits of a water bed. There are none. Um the the downside to water beds is that they are literally like two hundred gallons of water in a sack mm. laying on a wood casket. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the we pulled back the sheet and saw that there was bubbles because we had been jumping on the bed, so there were like bubbles in the in underneath the you know in the water bed. Oh, so you could see it. You could see through it. Yeah, you could. You could. It was okay. Like, it was like a brownish, like a light brown 
colored bag that was full to the brim with water. And so you could see into it. So you could see the bubbles forming when we were jumping on the bed and we were initially rolling cars, like hot well cars through the bubbles, like driving. And Mm -hmm. then my brother realized that if you hit one of the bubbles hard enough, it would separate. Mm. It would split, like it would move. Um, and so then we started jumping up and down to, yeah, yeah. Five-year-old, three-year-old discover science. And so we were jumping up and down the bed to make the bubbles move all over the place. We were giggling and all that kind of stuff. And my parents weren't paying attention because why would they? Um, and then my brother, the punk ass, was like, I'm going to split that bubble in half. And oh he grabbed a... Was it just a really sharp stick? Oh, Lord. I think it was a really sharp stick. It wasn't a knife or anything like that, but he grabbed a really sharp stick and he found the biggest bubble. You always find the biggest bull on the block and you take him out. (laughs) He grabbed the stick. He brought it up like Van Helsing. (laughs) And you could just see the velocity lines coming off the stick and a look on his face. And sound effect like it was an anime as the stick got closer and closer to the bed and he punctured the water bed with this mm-hmm. oh no and of so course. now we have a geyser <laughs> water bed like it's just sprang up in the air and so our first thought was to uh try and make it stop mm-hmm. so we put a pillow on top of it and that just got the <laughs> pillow all wet and now the water was starting to like fill up into the the wood casket that it was in and starting to fill over starting to spill over the top and um he, he he's panicking i'm panicking i'm 3 but i panicked and um he told my mom and my dad that i saw the bubble and I tried to bite the bubble. <laughs> wow. Like he didn't even say that he he didn't even like pin he, the stick on you. No. He just said that you did some other shit. Like yeah. are, were you a biter? Were you a biter? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think I was. I might have been. I know I was a crier. So I might have been a biter. I mean, I, I might have just been like that dude. I don't know. But he saw fit to say that I bit through the plastic bag that was our waterbed. And um, I I don't think we I think we got sent to bed. Uh, and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and so, yeah, got, go to bed. Yeah, um, it's four o'clock. The sun's still up. I don't give a fuck. Right. And those are the <laughs> You know what? If you want to make your kids really cry and they're like eight and below, send them to bed when it's still light out. Oh, my God. Yo, that's the, that shit will still like my son is 11 years old and he still will get upset behind that shit. Yep. <laughs> he will still be mad upset if he's got to go to bed before whatever his his usual bedtime is like he done fucked up and so it's just like yo get your ass in the bed <laughs> and it's just like and he is just it is you would think that I beat him as <laughs> his reaction it is so because it you know because it's one of those things 
that it hasn't happened a lot. He hasn't been sent to bed kind of before his regular bedtime a lot. He usually gets something taken away or it's a different kind of punishment. But, you know, I guess this time it was closer to, you know, to bedtime. So it was just like, well, fuck it, you know, get your ass in the bed, you know, kind of thing. And it was just a meltdown. I was so surprised. It was just like, what? And, uh, you know, but of course you got to follow through with the shit. You know, as a parent, you want to laugh because it's just like, really? Like, this is, like, you, this is it. Like, this is, like, I, I didn't touch you or anything. And you just, you are, like, this really got you upset. Going to bed at 8.30 versus 9.30. Like, this hour really got you, you know, all out of sorts. But, yeah, he was upset. It, it It's one of those things where it was, it was one of those things that was worse for us, I think, than it is for kids now. Even though uh, Alex obviously reacted the way that we would have reacted it was worse for us because you would get sent to bed at like five o'clock and you'd still hear your friends playing outside and we had a one-story house so the friends would literally run up to our window and be like can y'all come out (laughs) and it's like we're in bed and it's like 4 30 and they're like why are you in bed Because my mom hates me, and I wish she'd get hit by a car. And I'm going to go ask your mom if you can come out and play. And you peek it. Whenever we got sent to bed at, like, 5 o'clock, here's the reason why I think my parents stopped sending us to bed at 5 o'clock. They would send us to bed at 5 o'clock. But we would try and negotiate our way out of bed from Mm -hmm. 5 o'clock until about 7.30. Every 30 minutes, just peek your head out the door with that face. (laughs) <laughs> yep. can I come out can I come out I won't I'm sorry no <laughs> go to bed <laughs> oh man I'm mad like my dad didn't send me to like bed bed he just sent me to my room but I definitely had to stay in that motherfucker and I remember just yelling at him down the hallway can I come out <laughs> <laughs> I remember I haven't thought about that forever and you know that like that first those first few times you know the answer is fucking no. You know, it's just you try, but you got to try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then eventually it is a yes. You know? <laughs> you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. So then first couple of times, it's they come all the way to the room to tell you about yourself the first couple of times when it's like, can I come out? Nah, nigga, I sent you to bed because you're making a whole lot of noise. You didn't want to listen to me. You want to listen to me now? Don't you, little motherfucker. Don't you want to listen? Don't you listen? <laughs> And then they go back out, and like 30 minutes later, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> Can I come out? No, little nigga. I said, get your, get your ass to bed. I'm not sleepy, and I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that was our way out. If they let us into the bathroom, it was a wrap because we stayed in there for like 30 minutes just playing in water go to bed <laughs> i'm not tired and then like they be it'll be like six o'clock and you just poke your head out and you just be staring at them like hoping that they didn't <laughs> notice that your door was open and you were just poking your head out the door quietly just looking at them watching them watch tv and it was just like shh shh what are they doing shh what y'all doing back there? 
<laughs> and then finally, you either cry yourself to sleep mm-hmm. or they come in and be like, all right, you can come out now because they knew parents always knew. And, and, and we talk about like dick hole moves. Parents know that if you really went to sleep at five o'clock in the afternoon, you be up mm-hmm. at like four thirty in the morning. Asking for breakfast. Asking for breakfast. And so, in hindsight, I should have took my ass to sleep (laughs) and woke up the next day and been like, I am not tired. You sent me to bed at four o'clock. What do you want from me, Linda? (laughs) But my parents never sent us to, like, they would never send us to the room with, like, just go to the room. It would always be go to bed because they knew if they sent us to the room, it was party time. We had the, the, the books and the Hot Wheels. We didn't have TVs back then in the rooms or nothing, but we had books and Hot Wheels, and we would play. And even when they sent us to bed at 5 o'clock, we go in there and play. And so now as a parent, I realized that they probably didn't give a fuck. They probably just wanted us out of their hair. Mm-hmm. But because we were kids... We took it seriously. Like, they really want us to go to bed. And so we kept bugging them, like, can we come out now? And it's like, little nigga, I don't even, oh, I just want you out of my face. You punctured, uh, at that time, probably $200 water bed. Just give me a moment. But, nope. Never worked. They they uh, were pretty resolute in their whole, you can't come out, you can't come out, you can't come out. And I was never smart enough to say, fuck it. I'm just going to play with toys in my room. I literally tried to lay down and go to sleep. And I'm not tired was the <laughs> common refrain. Common refrain. So, Alex, I feel you, bro. <laughs> I feel your pain, brother. But at least your friends weren't coming up like, dude, you just missed a great football game. Shut up, Marcus. Hey Stephanie. Hey. Hey. So, um, did y'all hear about this? Uh, I'm so disappointed because it's right down the street from my house. Not right down the street, but it's a couple cities up from my house. Uh, the barber shop uh, where the dude had a doll of Colin Kaepernick hanging from a noose. No. What? Yeah. Mm-mm. I had no idea. I mean, I'm not surprised by that shit because, you know, motherfuckers always doing stuff in effigy anyway. But no, I had no idea. Yeah. So I live in Elk Grove and about four towns up is this place called Placerville. And Placerville is high enough up in the mountains that it snows. Mm, okay. Um, so it like they get flurries. They get activity. It's not like where it's like winter packed snow and all this great stuff. It's just flurries. Um, but it's also like predominantly white people. Um, mm-hmm. And this uh, barbershop owner is apologizing after a picture of Colin Kaepernick uh, being hung from a noose in his shop was posted on social media. Uh, the picture was taken inside the Bowtie Barbershop in downtown Placerville, California. Quote, I literally, literally, I literally had no idea that I was offending people. Ah. The owner said, 
we have a hangman out here called George. And so, you know, with the theme of Hangtown, I hung him. And it was wrong. It was absolutely wrong. Here's the thing. The barber who won't give his name said the doll has been hanging in his shop since 2016. When Kaepernick and a teammate first knelt during the national anthem. Quote, I am a diehard 49er fan, and when that action happened, there was a lot portrayed on the 49ers, and I took it personally, Barber said. The doll's been taken down, but the customer feels like the damage has already been done. Barber said all he can do is hope his apology is accepted. Quote, I'm publicly announcing that I apologize. It was the wrong thing for me to do, he said. Absolutely will never happen again. I absolutely see the other side of it now. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm disappointed on so many different levels. One of the, the one of them is the fact that I can literally go to this shop and beat this dude up. <laughs> I, I and I'm not going to. I'm just saying, like this, literally, like right there. Like we go into this area to go get apples and stuff. We go to this place called Apple Hill. It's right next to this barber shop. This is disappointing. Because it's in my area. Uh, it's also disappointing because this dude had Colin's doll hanging since 2016. And nobody said anything. Nobody had an issue with it until this one customer happened to mosey on in and see it hanging up. And I don't even know if it was a customer. It might have just been somebody who heard word of it and went to mm-hmm. see it themselves. Nobody else had an issue with it in this town. And that's the issue that I have with it is the fact that nobody else had an issue with it. Probably thought it was funny. Probably thought he was in his place. And then the fact that the apology is such a non-apology. I literally had no idea that I was offending people. What What did you think you were doing? Like, I, I realize that there's a lot of people who try and hide offensive stuff behind. It was just a joke. But, like, how, how didn't you think, hey, me putting a black person in a new is not offensive in any way, shape, or form. whole thing's messy and disappointing to me. Yeah, white people are childish. Like, they just... Like, they know what they're doing. That's really what it comes down to, as far as I'm concerned. They know what they're doing. Now, is it, like, right there at the forefront, like, yes, I am going to do this you know, kind of thing. It's just like, I don't know if it's always right there at the front, you know, of their mind or whatever, but I Mm. just, they know what they're doing. They know that it's ugly. It's just that I think what happens is they get insulated with people who they think, think like them. Mm -hmm. And so nobody says anything, you know, or, or yeah, they think that people around them think like them because no one has said anything. Because there's a good chance that somebody else in that town has seen it, but didn't want to say anything. Because that's the other side of it, too. You have people who see things, but they don't, don't have, yeah, they don't say anything. They don't have the bravery or whatever. Or it, it, they, either they don't have the bravery or they don't think it's a big deal. Like they can just like they can say like, oh, man, he's a fucking asshole. But they're not going to say anything, you know, and like really, you know, have a confrontation over it. But nah, they know. They know. They just, it's just that maybe it's so, I 
think what what kills me about white people is how much they can ignore how ingrained racism is for them. Meanwhile, you know, people of color, black people, they see as soon as they see it, you know, for a lot of black, as soon as they get a whiff of it, they know what it is. It's just, but white people can just go around and just, you know, traipse through whatever, completely ignoring how they just hung a black man in effigy and not even contemplating what that means in a larger context. Like just completely ignoring history. It's just like there's, it's so built in them. It's why I don't, I guess it's why I'm just like, yeah, a lot of y'all motherfuckers, a lot of white people are racist. All y'all probably are racist because you haven't investigated why you feel the way you feel about things. You're just out here living, thinking that haven't been conditioned by white supremacy living in this country or living anywhere. You know, like you're just out here thinking that, oh man, you know, look, I got this black neighbor or my kids go to school and they have black friends or I have black friends, I grew up with black well, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the person of color there. But like you have been investigating messaging throughout your life, throughout your parents, your parents have parents parents have you know, you may not want to cross somebody's yard, but you probably back Hey, hey, Shante. Yeah. You're going in and out. Oh, sorry. Maybe I'm too far. Yep, they're perfect. You were too far. It happens to me all the time. But yeah, just you know, motherfuckers, white people more than likely are racist if they're not inve- if they haven't investigated the messages that they've received throughout their lives. You are not immune to this shit. So, fuck your, you know, I'm sorry I offended you, kind of. I didn't know I was offending anybody. Apology. Fuck that shit. Whack. We'll be right back. Single simulcast. This is Paul Andre Joseph, and you're listening to the single simulcast. Enjoy this shit. This is Jarman, uh, a.k.a. Shantae's brother. You're listening to single simulcast. Favorite podcast is favorite podcast. I like listening to it. Hopefully you like listening to it. Enjoy. I'm a project my own decisions. <laughs> you're right. You're a product of your own decisions. This is Single Simulcast. Hey, this is Sharonda, and you're listening to Single Simulcast. What's up, everybody? This is Classic, uh, CEO and co founder of the CSPN Network, and when I'm not uh, working on the many podcasts on our network, or just hanging out, I'm listening to Single Simulcast, and so should you. That was, that was simply sensational. sensational. Single, Single Simulcast will surely surface speedily. Bitches. <laughs> Hello, this is Stephanie from the Mocha Menace Podcast. If you can hear my voice, that means you're tuning in to two of my faves, Rayshani and Shantae Fabulous of the single simulcast. Congrats! 
you made a really good choice today. You want to make another good choice? Check me out on the Mocha Minutes podcast. You won't be disappointed. If you're tuning in to the single simulcast, you're going to love the Mocha Minutes podcast too. You can find the Mocha Minutes podcast wherever you find your podcast. We'd love to have you tune in. Okay. Bye. Like makeup? Interested in mental health? Check out lithiumtolashes.com where I talk about my own everyday struggles with mental health and beat my face from time to time. This is Single Simulcast. Hi, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown of Collars podcast and you are listening to Single Simulcast with my man Rashani and Shantae Fabulous, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. And I'm your favorite podcaster. So that should be your favorite podcaster because I'm your fave, fave, and your fave, fave. Check them out on Single Simulcast. And check out Crown of Collars. Find wherever you can find great podcasts and the CSPN Network. Hey, everybody. This is Wormhole Matt with the Planet Wormhole Podcast. Please follow me and my wife, Rachel, at Get Off My Planet. Uh, we are going to be talking about a lot of great stuff on Planet Wormhole, so please check us out. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Uh, the uh, single simulcast, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. It's also my favorite podcast because I'll be honest, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but you guys have really embraced me and I just I love you for it. So thank you very much. Single simulcast episode 318. Shantae's in the building. Stephanie's in the building. Big dick energy's in the building. I'm Rashani. <laughs> Woo! Yes! So. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. It's okay. I, I love how thoroughly engaged you are in big dick energy. I'm okay with that. I'm just saying. Um, so, we talked a while back about one of these places. I think it was Neiman Marcus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're collard greens, if I remember correctly. Oh Lord, have mercy! Yeah, I think I think it was. Yeah, I think it was collard greens. It was some type of vegetable, like def- and it definitely collard, collard green. I think it. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we talked about uh, how that was like them being completely out of their lane. This is not mm-hmm. that story. <laughs> oh. oh well. Nordstrom's is selling the Golden Goose sneakers, dubbed the Superstar Taped Sneaker. Mm. They're new, but they look like they're falling apart with dirt and tape already on them. And they're being sold for $530. (sighs) Quote, crumply hold it all together tape details a distressed leather sneaker in a retro low profile with a signature sidewall star and grungy rubber cup sole the description reads and they're sold out <laughs> I mean I'm not I don't know it's not so it's it's silly but it's also not surprising I mean there's probably a lot of motherfuckers <coughs> excuse me who got five hundred dollars to blow? I wish. On, on some sneakers. They it, it reminds me of um I think there's some Balenciaga sneakers that look not quite as haggard mm-hmm. as these sneakers, 
but still kind of in that same vein. Man, I'm in the wrong business. Right? I just wouldn't expect, you know, like distressed sneakers sounds sounds goofy. But I guess if you can have, you know, Kanye came out with those holy shirts and pants and stuff a couple of years back. I mean, you know, rich people like like what they like. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of Zoolander. How so? So in the first Zoolander, because the second one I've kind of like men in black myself and forgot about. But the first one, um, the designer... His name, what's his name? What's his name? Ugatu. Um, Daryl Leak. Remember, it was supposed yeah. to look like homeless chic. This is what this would have been the fat, like the featured shoe in Daryl Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I never made it all the way through that movie. Yeah, don't watch the second one. Just uh, don't do it. Yeah, I learned my lesson Ooh, when I saw ghetto. Troopers Part Two. The what what part two? Super Troopers. Oh, never seen a Super Trooper. Yeah, the first one's a mess. The first one, the first one, like if you haven't seen it, you probably don't need you don't need to watch it. It's was it a show too? No, no, but it's just it's it's so stupid, stupid and problematic that it's just like. Yeah, you don't you don't need to watch it. Now I'm not gonna lie, some of this shit is funny. You yeah. know, some of the shit is funny, but it's just it's one of it's just you know I think there's certain movies that if you didn't watch it at a time where you were young enough to kind of maybe not be so woke or judgy or whatever, it's just like there's no point because you're not gonna think the shit is funny. You're just gonna be scrunching your face at it. And that's exactly what Jay said when we were talking about. Uh... I was talking to him about seeing Spaceballs. Mm, yeah, yeah. And he was like, nah, nah, bro. Like, initially, I didn't watch it because I didn't like them making fun of Star Wars. And then mm-hmm. when I got older, it was like there's so much misogyny and 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 uh, just they were not, uh, they weren't very friendly towards anybody other than white people on that movie. And I was like, you know what? I never really even thought about it, but those movies back then, none of them aged well. Oh, none no. of them. No, none like, of them. especially like Blade, like especially just like Mel Brooks movies. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, like if you haven't watched, I mean, if you haven't watched those movies at a, within a certain time frame, it's like there's, you're not going to think that the shit is funny. It's just not, you're just going to be, like I said, you're going to be scrunching your face up at it. And that's perfectly fine. But I think that's also why I don't, for me, I don't push movies on people. Because I know that I might have watched that movie in a particular context. Mm. You know, it might have been with a particular person. It might have been at a particular time. And that's why it's funny to me. That's why it resonates with me. But me just saying like, oh, this movie is so good. Sit and watch it. They're not going to, they it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love Spaceballs, by the way, but it, but still, it's pro- it's it's a mess, it, you know. And I love and I love Blazing Saddles, you know. But that shit is a mess. Mm-hmm. 
Like that shit could not get made today. You know, and but that's okay. I think that's another thing too. People harken back to that time when movie, you know, when you could call somebody a nigger on on screen and nobody even flinched at that shit. You know, white people calling, you know, like I think fucking Nick Nolte was calling motherfuckers niggers in a uh, 48 hours. Yep. You know, so it's shit like that. People harken back to that time. I don't think we have to go back to that time. Like you can acknowledge that that movie, you enjoyed that movie. It worked for the time frame that it was made in, but it's okay that we're not doing the same things that right. we, they were doing, you know, in the eighties or the seventies or whatever. You know what? I one of my favorite movies is the Forty Year Old Virgin, mm-hmm. and parts of that movie, Lord and Mercy, is like oh. So there's a part in there where they are um, playing video games and calling each other gay. Yes, because yeah. of certain part, and I'm just like yeah. that. Wow. Not, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. It's like yikes! It's like yeah. just yikes. And and they that was Paul Rudd, yeah, and Seth Rogen, and, and Seth Rogen. it was yep. all improvised. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's just that like part. the whole time I'm like, yeah, this isn't funny. Mm-hmm. And it's just like growth. <laughs> but I mean, pretty much, pretty much. Because there's certain things that I will see in a movie, like me personally. Like you said, Shantae, uh, Spaceballs, I loved it. Love it. Have it on uh, Blu-ray. Uh, mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles, oh, yeah. Show that scene to me where Mongo knocks out the horse and I die every time. <laughs> right. Show, show me the scene where they're all sitting around the campfire eating the beans. I'm falling out. Show me the part where he's like, good morning, ma'am. And isn't it a lovely morning? And I'm yeah. dying. Whole movie. Yeah. But I can understand how folks will look at it and be like, this ain't for me. And mm-hmm. so... There's movies that I have tried to go back and watch. And it's just like, no. And I think that it was because, to some extent, I didn't like the movie already. Mm. Where I'm able to go back and say, nah, nah, I'm I'm cool. One of the movies, honestly, that mm-hmm. didn't bother me when it first came out, but bothered me more and more when I went back to see it again, Kids. Mm. Kids bothered me a lot when I was older. Kids, uh-huh. yeah. Did you ever watch it? Is that the? No, that's not the toys movie. It's right? got it's got Chloe seven. It's like Chloe seven Ye and Rosario Dawson's. Like I almost want to say it's their first their very first, first movie. movie. Yep, their very first movie. It's directed by I think Harmony Corrin. I think it's his first movie or mm. second or something. But yeah, that movie, like it's something that I watched it when I was younger and mm-hmm. it was like, this is some wild shit. But then I haven't, I haven't revisited it at all and probably don't want to. You don't, but, yeah. you don't want to, uh, just know that they went on to bigger and much better things. Um, there's just so many problematic things that happened in that movie and so many mm-hmm. things that are said in that movie that it's just like, I can't. I can't go back. So I understand where he was coming from. I understand um, 
like knowing inherently that something that you once liked is a big ass issue. Here's my question mm-hmm. since we're here now. Have you ever had that moment, that that moment of realization with one of your closest loved ones? And do you continue to tolerate them because they're one of your closest loved ones? Or are you just like, we've grown apart? Oh, man. Wow. I don't know. Oh, man. See, I, uh, see, I don't know if it was so much that I, I was like, oh, we've grown apart or whatever. But it was definitely a moment of seeing someone kind of consistently with a type of joke. You know, like on social media, like this was one of their jokes and it felt like this was one of their jokes. And I finally had to say something and there was like a back and forth. And it was just like, I'm telling you this because I love you, but I also love the people that you're talking that you're joking on. Mm hmm. You know, so I'm saying something to you, you know, kind of thing, right? I'm going to say it right now. You know, so it was that kind of thing. I, but I do I find myself kind of backing away sometimes. And that feels weird. It's just like you don't want to hang out with somebody because you don't want to have that confrontation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of distance yourself, hoping that it just dies naturally. I had a friend uh, who, same thing, it was like, you know what, the the things that you are saying is harmful to uh, a lot of people that I care about. And so while I may have been able to uh, see past it before, now it's just like a glaring blinking light on your forehead it's like impossible to miss and i had to go and um there was no back and forth or anything it was just like this is it is what it is you know we gotta we gotta split up and i pretty sure that i will see him when I go visit another friend, because we're mutual friends, all have been for a while. Mm-hmm. So when I go out to uh, Bainbridge and see uh, my friend Jordan, and it'll be interesting. But he's a good dude overall, and that's the thing. It's like, is he a good dude? Mm-hmm. Is he a good dude? Or is he, like, we categorize people now in this day and age of being woke and being like like aware and being all that kind of stuff. We need to still be able to say this is where I was a year ago. This is where I am now. They haven't made those changes that I've made, but do I judge them as bad people because they haven't made that change? Because if you judge them for being bad people for not making that change, and that means that last year you were a bad person. You know what I'm saying? Like, If you're able to cancel somebody, if you're able to let go of somebody for something that you just learned how to do like three weeks ago, then that means three weeks ago you were literally a piece of trash and now you're just a hypocrite. Because if you had gotten counsel for that three weeks ago, you would have been trying to figure out what you had done and what had happened. Um, and that's kind of stuff that, that sticks with me. I'm like, in this day and age of I got to let you go for the good of the whole, I got I to gotta, I gotta get your hands off the table, Jack. 
<laughs> and it's like for the good of everyone else, you gotta you gotta sink. But do they really? Yeah, I I I don't know. Cause there is a part of me that is just like there's a part of me that's like in the, within the canceling and everything, the feet, like obviously people can say that they've canceled you or whatever, but there's always going to be people who I think who will be more tolerant of whatever your behavior is. They will allow quote unquote growth. And so the people who basically were just like, I can't fuck with you anymore. It just feels like, it just feels like you got to take that L, I guess. <laughs> that's what it, that's, that's what it feels like to me. It's just like, you know what? You fucked up. And this person said that, you know, you weren't the person that they want to hang out with anymore because of something that you've done. And you're going to be hurt maybe behind the loss of that friendship or that interaction. But there's other people who are going to hang out with you. Because I, because I don't know. I feel like the the idea that oh well, what about when you were whoopty bam blah 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 blah? It gets put on people who were like being that excuse. I guess comes up for people who were being really really unkind. I feel like that's when people want to talk about well, what about when blah 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 blah? You're not perfect, you know. What about you were saying whatever? And it's just like, maybe it wasn't, maybe the two things that you're comparing are the same. Like, I don't know if somebody was saying that this group of people deserves to die. You know, and now they've changed. I don't know if somebody needs to let them back in. It's that, it's just, it's a strange kind of, I think everybody has to navigate who they want to forgive and who they want to tolerate all that different kind of stuff and maybe just let people decide how who want who they want to be in their circle mm -hmm. you know they want to be outside of their circle because i think that's where the arguments come from is you got people who are just like i don't like that motherfucker over there that motherfucker said like some really unkind heinous shit to me or about people that i fuck with and i don't care that you have witnessed their growth and have seen them change. That person hurt me. Leave me fuck alone about this person. I think that's what needs to to stop. You know, that person who maybe has witnessed that person's growth needs to stop trying to advocate for that person with the person that they hurt. I feel that. I bet y'all were waiting for something more than that. No, I, 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 I feel that. Um, what do you think about the whole idea of canceling and solidarity? Have you ever, like, let somebody go because your friend let them go? Mm. It probably would depend on what the situation is. They're a chronic farter. <laughs> like, it's it, like... It, 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 <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's because now it comes down to, well, damn, did have I ever, you know, smelled them fart? Like, I don't know. They've never <laughs> farted around me. I don't know. That is, that's, but, that, <laughs> but I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think, I feel like on Twitter, there have been 
people, you know, you get people who are just like, oh man, block this person. So I've done stuff like that, where it's just like, yo, so-and-so is out of pocket. You know, so-and-so is harassing me. This person stole my art. You know, report this page, kind of stuff like that. I've done that kind of stuff. So maybe if that's if that's kind of the same thing, then yes. Stephanie, you awfully quiet. Stephanie here anymore? We lost Stephanie. Um, so I, I don't know. Those are just things that I, I really think about sometimes in these in in I don't know how we got well, I know how we got there from movies, but it's like growth. When that I, I, I'm guessing that each person learns from their mistakes. They learn from the situation. Do you learn from getting canceled? But sometimes learning from getting canceled, like one of the worst things you can do to somebody is say, we got to talk. And then you don't say if it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a horrible feeling. And I feel like having those sort of experiences have made, has made it where if somebody says that to me, I immediately start thinking, what did I do? What can I do to fix it? Uh, am I about to get fired? Am I about to get canceled? Am I about to get dragged? Like, what exactly is going on? And then it'll just be like, hey, we're going to get something to eat. Would you like to go? And it's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, we got to work on, like, collectively, we have to work on our uh, communication and think about how it's being received, not just what we want to say. Mm-hmm. A man is wanted by police after being filmed sending his daughter inside of a barber cut light machine where she was able to get her tiny hands on some prizes and retrieve them before the pair and another child believed to be the man's son left the scene. The union leader reports that security at the mall in Rockingham Park in New Hampshire was alerted to the man's scheme by a hostess at a restaurant opposite the machine who told the site, quote, Two people came in, and I heard them say, that's so unsafe. So I went outside, and all I saw was a toddler's head peeping out from the front of the machine. For those of y'all who are unsure, because I was unsure as well, there's these machines um, that are, they're, they're almost like the uh, crane machines they used to have, the claw machines they used to have at, like, Denny's and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they are skill machines where you try and get... Uh, things to light up and then if they light up enough then the item you want will be available to you and it's big item big ticket items uh, some of the places at uh, amusement parks they have them and they'll give you like Nintendo Switches uh, Xboxes Playstations things of that nature uh, Vitas back when they were popular um, and so these games are literally rigged and dang near impossible to get anything on them um, but the the box, the slot in which the item falls out of has to be big because again, these are usually big items. And so this dude was like, fuck it. And told his child to get in there and grab him something. On the one hand, ingenuity. Right. On the other hand, probably going to get his child taken from him. Oh, definitely. For a Nintendo Switch and a Nintendo 3DS. Um, local police are now asking for help from the public to locate the man. Um, 
because they didn't think to follow him or catch him or anything like that. But it's like putting your child in that sort of a situation, whether they know what they're doing or not, is just like not official. Um, I feel like it's another form of grooming. Uh, because you're literally showing them a life of crime before they know anything else. Like you're pushing them towards this because they think that it's cool because they're doing it with their dad or whatever, their uncle or whomever it may be. But it's it's not. Like what happens to the kid? I don't know. These are things that just concern and amuse and at the same time annoy me. Like it's three separate feelings all crashing together because I could have saw myself getting mad over not getting something but i couldn't see myself telling my kid you're small climb in there and do the thing do the move <laughs> yeah it's it's bad it's well it 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 it, it does seem like it's like grooming in the sense that this person knows that they have a sort of power over that child you know cuz they're the parent and they can suggest to the child to do this. You know, now granted, the child may just go do it because it's just like, okay, I can climb in there and get it and not really think about it. But there are some kids who might feel motivated to go in there and go do it because it'll make their parent happy. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that, the manipulation of the child's emotions. You know that this child you know this child wants to do any and everything to make you happy because of the way that you've raised it or whatever. And so now you are putting this child in a position to, you know, do their best. And, but it's just, they're doing their best at stealing. I mean, I, I'm also like, what if the kid couldn't get back out? Yeah. There's an endanger, endangerment thing to this as well, I guess. Once you get past the fact that they should have totally went after the PlayStation 4, nigga, because Spider-Man is the lick! And, um... <laughs> like, you gotta realize this kid is going in there with baby hands, so they can't really just grab, like, the best stuff, so they got you, like, a 3DS. If, 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 if I had lower morals to put my toddler into a machine and have them bring me something back. I think I'd be a little bit put out if they took my criminal plan and came back with a 3DS. And I would be like, but the switch was right there. And they'd be like, gum! And I'd be like, no. No gum. The switch was right there. And I feel like that already makes me a bad person because I know that then I'd really be grooming them towards going out to the Nintendo Switch. And then as they got bigger and a little bit, hand like their hands got bigger, then I would tell them to just fucking steal the PlayStation 4. And by then, we would be the Bonnie and Clyde of vending machine games. <laughs> also, uh, I know I'm not the only person who has tried to reach inside of a vending machine to get the pack of candy that is stuck, um, that kind of falls out, but then it leans the right way so then it doesn't come down all the way. And I've seen people do running tackles into the side of soda machines to make a soda fall out. So don't blame me. Blame society. They're the ones who raised us, people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, high school, somebody put a full-on, like, uh, Terry Tate shoulder tackle onto a soda machine and like six or seven sodas came out and they were the hero of the day 
bet. Man, it was great. Like, I was like, can I have that? And then they were like, no, they were giving it out to all the girls. And I was like, I understand. <laughs> I feel you. My brother, the punk ass. Um, <laughs> a German triathlete has been banned from an all-you-can-eat sushi restaurant in Bavaria after mm. eating a little bit too much. He literally ate nearly 100 plates of food. Wow. The bodybuilder turned Ironman triathlete uh, paid just $18 for the bottomless meal at Running Sushi, uh, which is a restaurant in the city of Landshut. Though he was reportedly a regular, his last meal crossed the line, prompting the restaurant owner to ban him. The owner told the website that Bobrowski ate five people's worth of food. Not normal, he said. It didn't help that the restaurant primarily makes money from alcohol when on all-you-can-eat nights, and the triathlete drank only tea. Mm-hmm. Bobrowski apparently follows a strict diet where he fasts for 20 hours per day and then eats his entire allotment of calories within the remaining four hours. Given that stomachs tend to shrink after fasting, it's an even more notable feat of self-engorgement. TripAdvisor shows that running sushi's plates tend to seem to contain two or three pieces of sushi on average. That's perhaps three ounces of sushi per plate, and if you round up Robrowski's intake to an even 100 plates, that means he could have eaten somewhere in the realm of 18 pounds of sushi. Yikes. Of course, that's very rough math, and it's possible that Bobrowski overfilled on less dense items like, like sashimi. In any case... It seems like he ate several pounds of rice, fish, and nori before he was asked to leave. He later went back to the restaurant to apologize. I'm just saying, if I pay... <laughs> there are certain places where if you tell me it's all you can eat, I'm going to be like, are you sure? <laughs> if you see me pull up to a table wearing sweatpants and flip-flops, just know... I didn't come to play with y'all niggas. I came to slay, bitch. Oh, my God. No, all I'm thinking of is that that fat boy song, All You Can Eat. Eat. Yeah. I used to love, like, that was one of my favorite parts of that that movie. Where that dude went in there and got a whole ass pizza and put it all on his tray and folded it in half and went to town. There's nothing wrong with that. Y'all are telling us that we can literally get all you can eat. You can't tell me that I can do that and then get mad when I try. Yeah. I went to this place in uh, Maryland, in, in La Plata, Maryland, called Captain Billy's Crab Shack. And they had all you can eat blue crabs and all you can eat uh, Maryland spice shrimp. And I came in with the sweatpants and flip flops. <laughs> And we were there from, like, it was myself, again, my brother, the punk ass, uh, my mom, and my dad. That was, It was the four of us. And my mom tapped out at, like, we got there at, like, 4 o'clock because we wanted to get the lunch price. Okay. But stay through dinner. My mom tapped <laughs> out at, like, 5 o'clock. We got there at 4 o'clock. She stopped eating at 5 o'clock. We went until, like, 8 or 9. Jesus. 
if you're not eating anything but shrimp and crab, there's nothing in it that's going to fill you up. They they don't give you bread. You're not drinking beer. And again, that's what they usually expect. Like they said, they expect you to drink like alcohol. Like if you're eating crab, I guess you're supposed to drink beer with it. But I never liked beer. So I was drinking right. water when I was drinking water, which was when like spices got too spicy in my mouth. And I'd take a sip of water and go right back to eating. And we went through like they would bring out bushels of crabs and bushels of shrimp and just pour it on the table and we were just going through it like water i was 18 my brother was like 20 we'll fuck your whole life up at the yeah, see, i think what's killing me is the time frame is how long y'all were just sitting there oh, i think man my mom and dad just sat there and talked and my brother and i just went to work i've seen other people take like like they will tell you um, if you go to Olive Garden when they have the uh, Never Ending Possible, mm-hmm. they said that they've had people eat and then go into the bathroom and take a nap and then come back out and eat again. Like that's wow. doing too much. But we were sitting there literally just going hard on the in the paint on these little ass crowds. They were like tiny, right? Like I'll eat like twenty of those things just to get enough meat for one crab out here on the West Coast. Y'all little niggas, like little ass blue <laughs> crabs. Um, so I can understand going in there and really just going for yours. What I can't understand is getting banned for doing so. That just seems sadity. I would have made them my spokesperson. Try and beat what they ate. Try and top this. I'm not banning you for it. I'm proud of you. Nigga, you like my food. You like it a lot. Niggas starving themselves to get to my plate. You're my, you're my friend. <laughs> I mean, hey, next time charge for the tea. How about I it? Get something. But yeah, um, and then let me see. I I I I just want to say again that um. I think I'm breaking up with the church. I still am a Christian. Still love uh, God and all that good stuff, but me and the church aren't where we used to be. And there's the reason why is this. Uh, Linda Harvey, the founder of the American right-wing Christian organization Mission America, um is the one who argued last year that the rainbow has been stolen by the LGBT community. Uh, Now, in her latest op-ed, Harvey takes on the subject of sexually transmitted diseases, arguing that they're being driven by progressive X-rated sex ed classes. According to Harvey, universities and organizations like Planned Parenthood are now, quote, promoting sexual pleasure for children ages four to seven. Of course, she doesn't provide much evidence for this other than links to other op-eds written for far-right websites and science journals that she uh, widely takes out of context. And then she says, quote, and let's not forget the deadly contribution of LGBTQ advocates who demand inclusive sex ed, i.e. lessons that outline in detail how kids can engage in anal and oral sex, the sex practices of homosexuals. These lessons often encourage masturbation and pornography use. I just, I I just, I saw that and I just, 
wanted to say oral sex is for all the people as well as anal sex. I I just want to point that out. I didn't learn it from anybody. I just wanted it and wanted to try it. And so that's where it came from. I didn't learn it from, like, it wasn't written on a bathroom wall for a good time, eat the pussy. Like, it wasn't written. Anywhere. It was just like, <laughs> I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. And no LGBTQ person was swaying me one way or the other. Um, so I just, it, it just amuses me how it doesn't even amuse me. Yeah, I guess it does how far from any point of fact uh, people are when they're trying to inflame the truth. Um, And when I say inflame the truth, I mean, they're trying to burn it, burn the truth down into something that they could shape in their own image. Mm -hmm. Um, And to blame something this broad on LGBTQ people is just stupid. Well, yeah, yeah, it's stupid, but also, uh, and you know, disrespectful to to uh, you know LGBTQ people, and it's like, well, what sex ed course is she talking about? Is talking about this type of stuff because I feel like there's statistics that talk about how. Well, one, we live in a country that I feel like a lot of places when they do talk about sexual education or any type of health things as far as uh, bodies are concerned is very focused on for for girls menstruation. And for boys, you know, your you know, your your little penis might get hard kind of thing like that. Like, I feel like that's the. That's it. And then don't have sex. You know, it's like abstinence only. So it's like, what, who is giving any type of teaching as far as that's concerned? Because it feels like we're getting so much abstinence. You know, people have been talking about having abstinence only uh, sex ed, that how that leads to, you know, outbreaks of sexual transmitted um, infections and pregnancies and all that different kind of stuff because they're not getting the information that they're supposed to get, but are still participating in the activities because they're, you know, they're growing into their bodies and curious about other people's bodies. So I'm just wondering where she's getting these X rated sex education classes. Like who, you know, for four to seven year olds, like, no, But I know people, I know people hear stuff and they, they're so willing to run with it. And then they run with it and because they want to be outraged. Because it is, because it would be kind of outrageous if somebody was giving like really X-rated sexual, sexual education to children who weren't ready for it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, giving them, kind of telling them about things that they don't even really need to, to know about at that point, you know, not giving them age appropriate sex education. Cause that's what it sounds like. She said, she's making it sound like they're not getting age appropriate sex education, but it's just, this doesn't make any sense. Like who's doing this. 
but that's the thing as far as our t- our world is now where you can just say some shit and all you got to do is put the shit on the internet. All you got to do is tweet it out. All you got to do is put it on Facebook. All you got to do is put it in a blog and get it to the right eyes and that shit will spread like wildfire without any investigation. They already uh, made a correction or a um, clarification on the writer from Sesame Street who said that Bert and Ernie were gay. Are gay. Um, one of the writers said that he always just figured that Bert and Ernie were a couple. Everybody in the world were like, no fucking shit. <laughs> and then uh, Sesame Street came back and were like they aren't a couple we didn't do that and then they came back later on like not that there's anything wrong with them being a couple it's just not something that we envision for them but it's like folks are so scared of making a statement that may not be palatable to all sides on uh, as far as from a liberal side that they don't want to really make those waves. And then on the other side, you got uh, folks just making all sorts of outlandish statements like this. And nobody refutes them. Yeah. And so eventually somebody's going to listen to it and hear it and believe it. And it's all to the races. Um, yeah. Can I say something about the Sesame Street thing? Yes. So- I feel like I feel like that situation was kind of a, a uh, what I, okay what I saw was the writer saying how he thought that Bert and Ernie were a couple and then the creator Frank Oz saying well that's not what I was trying to go for mm-hmm. and I feel like both of those things can be true you know the person who came up with the characters as far as they're concerned created two roommates you know that's that because and that's how they come off at least on television you know came off they come off as two roommates as far as they were concerned however this writer seeing two male characters together in this house and kind of living and together in this house in this apartment and everything saw a couple you know and i'm sure perhaps you know because maybe because you know bert is the serious one and ernie is the wild one and perhaps that clicked as far as his mind was concerned because maybe he has seen same-sex couples who are in that same vein there's a wild one and then there's a serious one. They hang out with each other. One of them works on each other's nerves and, and all this different kind of stuff. And it just, but to me, it felt like both things could be true. Mm. You know, Frank Oz's intention could have been roommates and this writer saw a couple and that they don't cancel each other out or one is wrong and one is right. It's just, you have a perception and it's yours to have. And that's pretty much what Frank was saying. He was like, um, why the need to define people as only gay? There's much more to a human being than just straightness or gayness. 
Uh, I guess the writer, Mark Saltzman, uh, joined Sesame Street in 1984. Bert and Ernie have been on the show since 1969. Um, Mark said that when he started writing for the show, he always wrote them as a gay couple. So it was his perception as he stepped in and was had the opportunity to write. He steered them in that direction uh, based on his perception. And again, there's nothing... There's no issue with it either way it goes. It's like whatever you see, whatever you want to believe for you uh, to enrich you, I'm like, go for it. It was just... Interesting to me um, how quickly they were like, yeah, they're, they're Muppets. Muppets don't have a sexual orientation. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely went. People were trying. Yeah, people were trying to say like, oh, they've never expressed anything like that. And it's just like, you know, Piggy was always going to get married to Kermit like there's always been some type of something as far as the uh, relationships beyond just platonic friendships there's always kind of been something whether or not it was actually in Sesame Street you know as far as the, the puppets and stuff were concerned but still you know there was there were couples on Sesame Street Gordon and his wife, mm-hmm. Luis and his wife, you know, Luis and his wife, they had, they've had a child, you know, so it's, it's like the idea that it was just completely canceled out. Like, oh, we don't even do that kind of thing. It's just like, but y'all do, y'all, y'all do. It's just, it was cool. Cause y'all didn't think about it. Cause it was heterosexual relationships. An Anchorage man who strangled a woman. I don't even want to read this shit. Basically, bottom line, a dude completely like assaulted. You know what? We can skip it. It's not like we trigger warned on it anyway. Yeah. It it just reinforces how horrible like misogyny and and and, and male privilege has, has really just become. And it's always been, it's just it's like once you see a car that's your color. Once you get a car that's your color and then everywhere you look, you see that car again. It's like everywhere you go, you just see this trash ass shit. Yeah. Um, they said. This dude did horrible stuff to this woman. And the judge, who's also a man, uh, gave him a slap on the wrist uh, because he lost his job. The assistant district attorney said that's all he really needs as punishment enough. And I just, it makes me like, it, it, it's a fucked up situation on so many different levels. Yeah. 
it's infuriating because there's so many people who are in a power position protecting other people who they relate to as far as, you know, like whether it's uh, men protecting men or white men protecting white men, white women protecting white women, protecting white men, black men protecting black men, you know, whoever is in uh, or, or even, you know, or black women protecting black men or whatever, you know, just whoever is seemingly in a power position continuously being protected by other people for them to maintain their power position. They are helping these heinous people protect their power position. It's like this shit that's going on with, um, with Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court nominee, you know, and he's got, uh, his situation that happened when he was, uh, in high school and everybody is sweating, uh, the woman that came forward about what happened with that situation Mm -hmm. you know and i'm and i'm intentionally being vague so i mean either you know or you don't know but i mean it's just they are you know lambasting her you know saying how come you didn't come forward and and all this different kind of stuff you know saying like oh well he was 17 and you know why should he why should something like this follow somebody who's 50 years old or whatever and it's just powerful people continually protecting other powerful people or white white men, you know, because it's basically the GOP who were just like, well, why are y'all acting this way, you know, to the Democrats or to society, you know, to the people who are in opposition of this man being appointed to the Supreme Court. It's just like, why y'all mad? It's not that big a deal, you know, kind of thing. And then they got women on there, you know, I think CNN had women on uh, their cast or whatever, you know, like, I guess not like quote unquote regular women, you know, basically asking the same thing, you know, basically questioning her motivation. Why? How come you didn't say anything earlier? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. It wasn't that big a deal. You know, just bullshit. I don't know. When the revolution comes, I'm ready. <laughs> I saw this movie yesterday called Assassination Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, about four teenage uh, girls who um, ended up becoming social pariahs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that great of a movie. It was actually pretty horrible. Uh, Nisha and I saw it, and we walked out with a lot of eye-rolling. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out was the fact that... Um, these ladies took revenge on the guys who were uh, slut-shaming them, mm-hmm. mocking them, and, and harassing them. Um, and basically took revenge in some of the most satisfying ways possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie itself was shit. But it, when it comes to Netflix or Hulu or wherever it comes to really quickly, because again, it was shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth the view on something free just to see uh, them try and build this story of uh, girl power 
um, and try and really just talk about uh, how women and ladies are um, literally put on a witch hunt. Like, uh, even though guys do this, uh, the same things that ladies do, guys aren't judged on the same level that ladies are judged on. And in that in that idea, it's it's absolutely laser focus pinpoint correct it's just that the way that the story went and everything was just fucking it was a c movie mm-hmm. with a with a a plus mindset behind it but the person who wrote the movie just couldn't bring it to fruition yeah um but yeah um it it's gonna be really interesting um when I, I I'm wondering what generation is gonna be who are just gonna finally raise up and be like, you know what, fuck your shit. We're tired of this shit. We're not taking this shit, and everything changes. And I just hope I'm alive to see it happen. Oh. It would be nice. It would be nice. I sometimes I I have hope, and then there's a part of me that that I guess pessimistic about it because there's so much. People want to be nice, you know. Like people want to be nice, and I think people are very focused on on being kind to people. And so, even people who are fucked up don't get rejected. It's like the whole cancel, you know. It's like the whole cancel culture thing, and you get people who are like, "Oh my god, why are you canceling people?" You know, blah 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 blah, kind of thing. You know, and you know, saying like, "Well, haven't you ever done something that's messed up?" And blah blah blah. And it's just like, I don't know. Maybe some people do need some people need to be rejected and i and i feel like there's a lot of people not wanting to reject people it's people wanting to excuse things because they don't want to feel rejected you know it's like they're it's like if i keep this person from being rejected for whatever they did this will also keep me from being rejected if my time comes rather than just being like oh man that person fucked up Maybe I need to check my shit and, you know, prepare myself, you know, for that kind of stuff. Maybe I need to just be better mm-hmm. and then just accept if my time comes, that is just my time and that's really it. So I don't know. It's just it's it's weird. I don't know if the environment will be set for that kind of change because it feels like the environment is set for the status quo is that we have to. You know, we have to leave room for growth and we have to, you know, think about this person's feelings and and all this different kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, because right now we're in a place where it's like we want to do this, but it still feels right and makes us feel good to do this. And that's. It's how you get people who are like, yeah, they're Nazis, but. Yeah. I'm like there should be no but in that conversation. They're 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 Nazis. What are we doing to eliminate this issue of said Nazism? But yeah. Uh Shante. Yo. Go ahead and uh Yeah, you got anything? Uh just continually shouting out everybody who shares the show and listens to the show and and downloads the show and uh shout out to the new cat we may have i don't know yet it's a stray cat but i think it was somebody's house cat 
but maybe that cat is now wants to be our house cat. I don't know, but huh? How long has it yeah. been coming around? It started this past Sunday, which was Lily's birthday. So oh. shout out to her. So shout out to her birthday. She had, yeah, the cat showed up, and the cat has been coming around. And so we I mean, we fed the cat the first time it was there because we didn't know it was just being nice. But the cat hasn't left. The cat might still be in the house right now. So, have y'all given the cat a name? The kids named it Marigo, huh. but I think they named it Marigo from Bloodborne. But I think they're just mispronouncing it. I think the character's name is actually Mergo or Marigo or something or something like that. But they they are calling it Marigo. But that is. That is, as far as we know, the cat's name. And I think she was somebody... I think she's definitely more house cat than outside cat. Because I got, like, litter and a box, you know, for a litter box and everything. And she went right to the litter and didn't think anything of it. She just, like, she knew what time it was. So, that's at least a plus. You know, it's not necessarily like having to, I guess, train the cat to use the litter box. So, hopefully... That stays, because then if it's if not, she may have to go. <laughs> it's on the floor. Um, <laughs> I have had still no success with Bloodborne. I want to love it, but now Spider Man is out, um, mm-hmm. and so that first thing that popped out of that one room, like the very first room that you have to fight something, it will be probably the one thing that killed me for like a while, but. That happened to me where I walked away from a game for a while uh, about a year ago, a little bit more, because it was like December. I started playing Horizon Zero Dawn, and something came up, and I stopped playing it and didn't look back until I went back to it and started from the beginning and played that game for like 172 hours. Mm -hmm. So you're you're not the first person to tell me that Bloodborne is a great game. I know that it's a great game because your kids are naming cats after characters in Bloodborne. Yeah, um, they love it. I can't stand it. I don't. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. Oh yeah, like there's, like we'll see. I mean, you haven't obviously. You you said you haven't got very far in it, but it's just some of the the characters. You know, the whole thing is the characters are turning into monsters. Uh, you know, that's what the the Bloodborne is like when you're those people that you're fighting have been corrupted by something now I, they haven't got so far that i really understand what's happening in the game mm-hmm. but i mean there's just animals and things like there's a pig that's got like 50 million eyes on it or something Ooh. it's and it's huge and it's like you know it you know squeals at you but it's like super loud and it runs at you and it's it's ugly like the further you get into the game the more heinous I keep saying that word tonight, but the more just like fucked up everything looks. And I think it's because they're further along in whatever corruption they're dealing with. Like, you know, those guys in the first part, it just looks like, oh, man, something's wrong with these guys. Something's going on. But they still kind of, you know, they're human. You get further into the game and like all kinds of stuff just looks messed up. I'll get there after Spider-Man. Right now, I'm like 20. 20- four percent done with spider-man because i keep going off on side missions like i'll be swinging down the street 
going towards the main mission, the next thing, and it's like, oh, look to the left. There's something there. Let me go look. Oh, there's people who are fighting in the street. I better stop that. Oh, <laughs> there's a photo opportunity over here. I better take that picture. And it's like, by the time I turn back around, what was like, you know, like 200 meters away is now 1,942 meters away. And it's like, well, as long as I'm over here, might as well okay. do this other side mission. So okay. it's like open concept, like Grand Theft Auto or whatever. Like you can kind of pick and choose when you want to jump into like the missions and, and all that different. Is that what it's like? Yep. Okay. Okay. See, I may need to play it because I like those kind of games. I just, I saw it at the Red Box and I thought about getting it, but then didn't. So I might, you know, jump on that. It's amazing. It's a really good game. Um, it, it was worth the wait. And I'm glad I bought a PlayStation 4 for it way back in November. Oh, also, while it's on my mind, happy anniversary to my braces. At Shout this, out. At this point last year, I was mad as fuck. <laughs> oh, man. and could. Oh, man. You were in so much pain. Right. So much pain. Right. And now I sit here and think about that. Like, I wish I could go back to that because that caused me to lose like 50 pounds. And as soon as I got used to these braces, all bets were off, people. Like, I was like, <laughs> I'm making up for lost time and missing food. And um, it's all back. I don't mind it. I just, I miss the gym. I mean, I could go back to the gym. It's just, it's not the same without Nisha being there. Yeah. So I haven't been back. But even when I was going to the gym, I didn't feel like I was uh, going to the gym to lose weight. I was just going to the gym because I liked the people and I like the activities that we're doing and I like challenging myself, but I also like not having to do that stuff. So it's like a, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like a weird yeah. place that I'm in where it's like, I want yeah. to go back, but I'm not doing it at home. It's not the same at home and I'm not going to do this at home. I'm just going to wish. But yeah, uh, this was a interesting episode. Stephanie, y'all can y'all can check her out on the Mocha Minutes podcast. I never really say this because she's on the show like so much, but y'all can check her out on the Mocha Minutes podcast. She's also uh, on the Why So Serious podcast, which is an excellent, excellent show, y'all. Y'all should really check that out. Um, I was on there last week talking about um, Insecure. Uh, that was that was definitely interesting. Um, and oral sex. Hey, where the <laughs> fuck have you been? You I have no idea. Like that, you cannot do that. My heart. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, Stephanie. Oh my heart. Oh fuck me, crooked. Oh, oh shit. where the oh. fuck did you come from? I'll leave that to the professionals. Oh shit. <laughs> Where'd you go? Are you okay? What I, happened? I, I have you. no idea. I have no idea. That is scary as hell. Feels like a ghost story. Yeah. You're okay though, right? Yeah, I'm okay. You sure? Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. Yeah. Okay. You missed the story about the dude who uh went into the sushi place and ate like 100 plates of food. And I was talking about how I went to... Uh, Captain Billy's Crab Shack or Captain Billy's Crab Hut or whatever it was out in La Plata, Maryland and we were in there for four hours. Um, La Plata? Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, right there outside of Waldorf. 
Um, oh, oh. I, I'm still trying to figure out why niggas hate Waldorf as much as I do. I have reasons. I live there. Mm. Y'all just all treat Waldorf like it's Pigpen from the Peanuts, which also that poor little kid. That sounds about right. It's dirty. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, no, we were talking about how it was easy to eat there for four hours because the crabs in uh, Maryland are like tiny as fuck. And you have to eat like 20 of them to get the size of a regular crab out here in California. And you weren't there to say anything back. And I got worried. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Well, yeah, Maryland crabs aren't the same. It's like, you know, not the same size as like a Alaskan king crab or a Dungeness. But, oh, they're so good. Okay. Well, uh, I was just telling everybody about, you know, the shows that you're on. And uh, the work that you're doing. Oh, man. But, yeah. No, you're okay, right? Now I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared. I'm just kind of... No, like, I'm good. I'm okay. Okay. Like, you scared the shit out of me. I'm so sorry. You know what that reminds me of? Um, on Why So Serious, which is so dope. So, they talk about, um, you know... TV and comic book and everything. They talk about everything TV um, and from the quote-unquote nerdy perspective. And they have a gal in there named Mike. And, you know, we all, they also talk about black shit. And they had a guest on. I think it's the ladies from Two Woke Girls. And they were just talking and talking about black shit. And they're like, oh, did Mike leave? And all of a sudden he goes, I'm here. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. It was so funny. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, goodness. But, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm interrupting. No, you're not. <laughs> um, This is Single Simulcast, episode 318. Uh, y'all be good. We'll holler at y'all later. Peace. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, you said.